Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Well, good morning everyone. And good morning to our online viewers. Uh, It's great to be up here this morning to share God's word with you. No no pressure. Uh, Never slept a wink last night. No, actually I slept like a baby. I slept really well. Uh, Did uh, did anybody get round to watching the Jesus Revolution? I know Ruth did. We've seen you. Wasn't that brilliant? Wasn't it absolutely brilliant? Really stirred my heart. You've got to go and watch that film because it's not just a film. It's about how God moved sovereignly in the 70s through the hippie movement. And those, when you think about it, those people, those hippies, like, they were just looking for love, but they were probably the most irreligious people that you could imagine. And God brought these two guys together. One was really strong in the word of God, and the other guy moved in the spirit. And what God done was absolutely mighty. It was, it's a brilliant film. Watch it if you can. So uh, we were really blessed. We've watched it twice. So, uh, and I would watch it again. But I was, as I was just thinking about this morning, I was just thinking, like, if you look around this room, there's young, there's old, and there's male, there's female, there's people from different backgrounds, people from different cultures, people from different countries, people with different personalities, people with different levels of education. There's people, we're all so different, you know, and yet we come together in unity in the Lord. You know, and you actually wonder, how, how, how do we maintain that unity? It's because we're in one body, we're in Christ. Because if you were to take the same group of people and probably put them in a secular sort of setting, we'd, we'd be at each other's throats. So, you know, well, maybe we are, and I just don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just don't see it. But no, but um, no, look, it's wonderful, you know, and we're just, there's always that sense of unity and exchange. I just really feel that in my heart, you know. And I was just, it had me thinking about different things. You see, me and Maggie would have a wee bit of self-disclosure here. We would have this wee bit of disunity at times. <laughs> 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 are all wet. I feel right there, you see, I'm getting you in. But it would usually involve around, you know, car journeys, you know. And it would, right, everybody's catching on that. And it would be, you see, Maggie's very different to me. She's very creative personality. She thinks differently. She's very, you know, and she's into dressmaking. She's, you know, she likes poetry. She likes painting. She loves all color things and all the rest. So, you know, it's like my kids said when they were young, you know, they said, mommy thinks in wiggly lines like this here, and daddy thinks in straight lines like this, and that's a speed bump every now and again. And that would probably be a very up uh, uh, with uh, describing us, if you like. You know, she even talks to flowers, by the way. She loves, she loves garden. Since I went back to work, I went back to work, and she says, I'm in the house on my own. She says, I'm actually starting to talk to those plants. I says, she gets better conversation out of them. But, um, but that's the way it would be. So, so, you know, I would be sort of like a very linear thinker, sort of, I think, like, like a train track. You know, everything just goes one after the other. And so say we were planning a journey across town, because we live on the edge of Dundonald there in East Belfast. Say we were going to North Belfast, Donna, God's country, eh? over to, say, the Abbey Centre or something like that there, you know, PK Max, and we're planning a journey. Well, if it was up to Maggie, Maggie would say, and it's three o'clock in the afternoon, Maggie would say, right, okay, she was, she'd be driving, and Maggie would get in the car, go down the Newtonards Road, in the Ballyhackamore, my worst nightmare at three o'clock, in the Ballyhackamore, 
down the Newtonards Road, cut across somehow the, the Ravenhill Road, go through the city centre, again my worst nightmare, uh, probably out to York Street and then up the Shore Road and she'd land at TK Maxx. Whereas I'd be thinking, I'd be thinking, oh, great obstacles, I'd be thinking traffic lights, traffic this, that. I'd just be thinking to myself, how do I avoid all this here? And I'd be going, right, I'll head for Garneville, nice wee bit of carriageway there, no, not really many traffic lights. Go round that way, I'd get on the Sydney Bypass, ah, two-lane carriageway, brilliant, sail down there, onto the M2 motorway, up there, brilliant, take you off run and land at TK Maxx. No, so really the, the whole point I'm making is there's not a right way or a wrong way. Well, there is Meng's the right way. That's <laughs> 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 why I drive all the time. No, but there's not. Do you know what it's about? It's about perspectives. It's about a perspective. See, Maggie would be happy enough just driving along and chit-chatting away. It wouldn't annoy her. Whereas it have me going like that there. I, I just want, and I'm going to get the TK Maxx, I just want to get the thing and get back home again. Just go and get it and that would be it. So it's all about perspectives and it's about me wanting to avoid as many obstacles as possible. And that's a wee bit like our Christian journey, isn't it? You know, we think, you know, Andrew was talking the other week and he was speaking about how God paints pictures in our hearts with words. He was saying, you know, we know God has given us a dream for things. But the worst thing that we can do is when we try and process that, if you like, if we try and make it happen. When you, what I'm saying is, basically is, when I was a young Christian, I thought I had it all worked out. This was going to happen. That was going to happen. That was going to happen. And it was all going to happen in certain ways. But it doesn't really work out like that. You know, you're maybe sailing along. The next minute, God goes, uh-uh, red light. And you go, God, no, I, I ain't going there. And God says, no, red light, no, stop, wait. And you're going, no. And the whole thing is, on that journey, God's maybe put that red up, light up for a reason. Could be when you were going to maybe purchase a new house and the, the thing was abs- an absolute rack. There was things wrong with it that you didn't even know. And God actually stopped you from getting into a financial mess. Or it could have been you were going to start a new business and God went, mm-mm, no. And a year down the line, you look back and you go, thank goodness I never got involved in that there. Thank you, Lord. Or it could have been an investment or something. I remember many years ago getting involved in something and God said, no, don't do it. Don't. And clearly I heard God. And through stubbornness, I pushed ahead and done it. And it turned, <laughs> turned out that just had failed miserably. But, like, nobody died or anything. It wasn't a big thing. Like, at the end of the day, do you know what was the most important thing out of that there that I took from that? Was that I heard God. That I heard God. And a lesson was learned. So that's a wee bit like, you know... Sorry, I'll just get my glasses off. That's a wee bit like our spiritual journey. You know, we might be just going along and you hit that impasse or you hit that diversion. And the next minute, you end up on a road... Go on down a road that you never imagined. Who's done that before? You've been sailing along with God, and the next minute, boom, something's came in front of you, and you've went off in a completely different direction. And yet that road that you went down was actually your road to victory in an area of your life that you could never have imagined. You could have never worked it out on your own. That was God. So, you know, it's like us here. It's all about surrendering. It's about surrendering our lives to the Lord. When we surrender our plans, it's easier 
for God to take us where he wants us to go under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he has already worked out the best income, outcome in every situation beforehand because he loves you. That's grace for you. Romans 8 and 28 says this, And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. So God's not putting bad things in our lives to take us off in different tangents. But like, it's part of life. It's part of life itself. We're going to hit these obstacles. We all do. It's just a fact of life. But God is always there in it. So I'm sure you're wondering where I'm going with here. It's over the, we're opening a new series here on the Book of Acts. And really, it's, we're going to hear stories of how God used the apostles and used all these men and women to turn the ancient world upside down. And the Winton journeys, when you see the way these guys went, my goodness, you, they probably never expected that, that, some of the things that happened to them. But it didn't hinder God in their lives. In fact, they were being sovereignly led by the Spirit of God through many impasses and situations. They ended up in rats. Anybody in here end up in rats before? <laughs> I, would say, I would say a few from Belfast in the 70s. Uh, in jail, just as Adam was saying, the jailer and his family end up getting saved. They were shipwrecked. Paul was shipwrecked three times. He, they were beaten. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake. And the Holy Spirit even prevented Paul from preaching in Asia Minor. Instead, of receive, instead, he received a vision to go into Macedonia. Imagine God telling you, no, you're not preaching. You're not, no, I don't want you to preach the gospel. You see, it's all in God's will. You know, there's a reason for it. Paul was to preach to the Gentiles. So through many of the apostles and others, God spread the gospel and the infant church was birthed. And it spread throughout the world in a very organic fashion. You know, because they met in people's houses and all the rest. You know, like these hippies and, <laughs> and the Jesus revolution. But it spread. And, it, you know, they threw everything into, into the middle type of thing and made sure that none had lack. You know, um, to be called an apostle, uh, all would have had to witness the risen Lord and had to be chosen by God. Apostle just means sent one. And Judas, the betrayer, being the only one who was later, who later committed suicide and was later replaced replaced by Matthias. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, he appeared to the disciples over a 40-day period before finally telling the disciples they had to go to Jerusalem and await the promise of the Holy Spirit from his Father. If we can put that up, Acts 1, 4 and 5, please. That's scripture. Yeah. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We also know in verses 6 and 7 that the disciples still had this sort of Israel nationalistic mindset because he asked Jesus, Are you going to deliver Israel? Little did they know what was coming down the road, that it was going to be the Gentiles and the Jews together. But Jesus didn't rebuke him. He just says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that my Father has set by his own authority. And it's a wee bit like, like today. You know, Sometimes, me personally, I get so caught up in this whole prophetic timeline, so to speak, 
And you start thinking about, where are we? What's happening? What's this? And yet God's saying, no, don't, don't think too much about that. Focus on what I was saying for you today. The new shift was coming, you see. And it's just human nature to try and work it out. And also, we have to remember, at this point, they always had that external and physical presence of Jesus guiding them, demonstrating the power of the kingdom, and discipling them. And we know what Jesus said about and Yes, they did see signs and wonders, but they were still operating. It's, it's just a point. They were still operating under a different dynamic. Jesus, even after Jesus went to the cross, he still appeared to them. They still had that sort of physical and sort of, they could see Jesus, if you like. But something, it was going to change. Acts 2, 1 and 40. You can fill that up, please. And coming off the Holy Spirit, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, it says all here, with one accord, unity, in one place. And suddenly there came from a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Note in Acts 1.15, it tells us that there was 120 disciples in that room. It just wasn't the 12. There was 120, and it says... They were all in one accord, unity, and they were all filled. Uh, verse 5, the crowd's response. And there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians... Medes, Elamites, or Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and, or Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mock and said, they're full of new wine. Drunk, drunk. So Peter, now, Peter stands up and he's full of boldness because Peter's completely changed now. This is the same guy who denied Jesus three times when, when the wee girl pointed him out in the courtyard. And yet, here he was in the atmosphere of a huge crowd of religious folk because this was, um, this was a Jewish festival. It was called the, the Festival of Weeks and it was when the wheat was brought in and uh, it was celebrating the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So there were the, and all able-bodied men, Jewish men, had to attend this here. So they came from all around the place. And I'm sure there must have been a lot of religious testosterone flying about when he was preaching and, you know, when Peter stood up. And this is a guy, remember, he, he denied Christ three times when a, a young girl pointed her finger out. And he stood up in front of all these guys. You know what it's like when you're around religious people? You know how oppressive it can be? You know, when people are firing verses at each other and doctrines and this, and you know, just really laying it on. That can be a very overpowering environment. And Peter got up full of boldness, he did. And you know what the amazing thing is, too? That God actually chose Peter to preach the first preach. He was the first preacher in the New Covenant, the New Testament. 
Now, this is Peter who was trying to prove his love to God by saying, I'll never deny you. And he failed. But God still chose him. It's powerful, isn't it? That was God's love for him. It wasn't Peter's love for God. It was God's love for him. So we are at the first fruits uh, festival, and I'm sure, like I said, it would have been quite intimidating, quite oppressive. But Peter stood up. This was Peter's sermon. Peter, standing up with the lamb, raised his voice and said, Then men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Therefore, let all... Let, number 36, I'm going to jump to number 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children. Now, I don't know about you, but that speaks to my heart. I'm, I'm laying hold of that promise. And to all who are far off, and as many as our Lord will call. So I love this promise. This is for you and your children, and to all who are far off. This is for all the prodigals to come home. You see, God loves them more than we do, more than we could ever imagine. You see, we just have to nurture what God is doing in their lives. Amen. We can't, we can't save them. We can only nurture it. Verse 40, a vital church grows. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. That's almost the way it feels today. The world is going crazy. I, would, I know what I was like when I was 18, 19 years old. I would hate to be grown up today, to be quite honest. It's absolute madness. You know, it really is. So with that, the explosion of the early church happened. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Pilgrims from all over the ancient world in Jerusalem for the festival of reaping, or also known as the festival of weeks. This took place seven weeks and one day after the Passover. You see, seven is the number of perfection. This was perfection in action. The New Testament church was born. And you know what's amazing? You see, when the law covenant was ushered in, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he had the tablets, what was, what was he greeted with? What was the first thing? They broke the law. They were going crazy. They were worshipping the calf and all things were going on, all sorts of nonsense. And 3,000 were put to death that day. And yet when Peter ushered in the new covenant, the grace covenant, 3,000 were added 
You see, grace always adds. Grace always brings increase. Grace always brings multiplication. Nearly say that. <laughs> so, the apostles and the others, many others, there were a different gravy as we say in these parts. There were a different gravy when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Their instruction and their leading now came from the inside. They were now being led from the inside. Completely different. They received power to witness and many miracles were performed through them. The word, the word power is dominus in Greek. It's used 117 times in the New Testament and its meaning is to give ability to do supernatural things. The same dunamis that raised Christ from the dead takes up residence inside every believer when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power dunamis at work within us. So that's great. That's all great what happened 2,000 years ago. The early church was birthed. We see that there and you know, God moved in a mighty sovereign way and the gospel just spread throughout all the world. But how does that, how does that affect us today, 2,000 years later? How is that, how, what, what, what way does that come in our world? You know, if you're a believer today and you're born again, we've all received the Holy Spirit. You know, Ephesians 1 and 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, in other words, when you believed, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So yes, we all, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because there's people who, there's all different doctrine, doctrinal views and there's different views in this. Some people are cessationists, they don't believe in it. Um, you know, you've got Pentecostals having like a classical Pentecostal view on it and all different things. But, and you could talk about it until the cows come home. But at the end of the day, believing is receiving. If you don't believe, how can you receive? You know, it's like you having, how could you say, you have somebody left you this inheritance of a million pounds in the bank. You know, and okay, that means, yes, you, you're a millionaire. Yes, your inheritance says that you're a millionaire. But you actually don't reap the benefits of that until you actually lay hold of it and start spending it. You don't have the lifestyle of a millionaire. You don't, you're not exhibiting the lifestyle of a millionaire because you have a million pounds sitting in the bank. It's once you start to spend. It's a wee bit like our inheritance in Christ. It's all been given at the cross, but we have to access it by faith. So if you want to, if you want to see an evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit for most denominations who believe is that speaking in tongues. So if you want to read more about speaking in tongues, go to 1 Corinthians chapters 13, 14. There's a lot on it, and you could be talking here for the next couple of weeks on it, to be quite honest. So really what I want to deal with is that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. It is for all believers, and speaking in tongues is for us today. And it's a spiritual language. It's a heavenly language. It edifies. It says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. It builds you up in the inside and you know on a personal note if I could just share this here would be when I came to Christ what well, was about 28 years ago and I came to Christ I had no religious background whatsoever never went to Sunday school there was nobody in our family that I knew of that were Christians there was no influences and went to 
school and there was a wee bit of RE. I hadn't much interest in it, to be quite honest. Um, when I became a Christian in my 30s, um, I really didn't have any sort of doctrines or knowledge or this is the way this should be or that should be, even about denominations. I, didn't even, I really didn't have a clue, which was a good thing. You know, I, there was two things that was probably stopping me, if you like, from coming to the Lord. One was fear of man, right? Because at that time, I had my own gym and stuff like that there, and it was full of testosterone, not religious testosterone, but it was full of testosterone. And to be quite honest, you're running about with a whole bunch of guys and stuff. And I thought to myself, they'll think I'm weak if I become a Christian. They'll think I'm a weak, they'll think I'm a weak person. And that's sort of like... Um, it sort of put me off. It stopped me. I knew that God was calling me and, and, and it was really strong in my heart and I knew I was going to become a Christian. And the second thing was that I knew that this was going to be the most important decision I ever made in my life. I knew it was going to be life-changing. I knew that there with all my heart. So anyhow, cut a long story short, I bent the knee, gave my life to the Lord, went all in, went all in for it, just loved it. And after about maybe maybe a month to two months, I found I was, I was, found I was having trouble sleeping at night, so I went to the prayer clinic down the church I went to. So I went down anyhow, and they had to pray for anything, for sickness, whatever, whatever it was, like they would just pray for you. So I went down, and the guys started praying for me, and they were praying over me in English, and that was okay. I was, didn't really think anything of it, just sat there and was receiving prayer. And then they started to pray over me in tongues, and when they prayed over me in tongues, the Holy Spirit came upon me. I actually remember when they prayed over me in tongues, I thought, what the heck are you on about here? It, it, it irked me a wee bit, you know? And then they started to pray, and the Holy Spirit came upon me. Now, I'd be a liar if I turned around and tell you any different from my experience. Now, I know everybody experiences, um, have different experiences, and that's fine, but I'm going to share my experience with you. And I can't tell it anyway, but the way it happened... And the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I remember I was sitting on the chair, and I ended up like nearly hanging off the chair like this here. And the guy fell up, turned around, and he says to me, Stephen, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. He doesn't want to do you any harm. He only wants to do good things. So I went, oh, had something clicked my brain. I went, he's right. It's God. Why, why am I sort of resisting this here? So, and I just slid onto the floor, and nobody tipped the chair or anything like I just slid down on the floor and I thought right okay look, this seems pretty sensible because I'm half hanging off this chair anyhow and I slid on the floor and the guy started praying for me over, and, over me in tongues and the next minute it was like a ball of a pure the most pure electric that I could ever imagine came from the tip of my toes to the crown of my head and then settled right here in my belly and your innermost man shall flow rivers of living water. And this started to bubble up. This tongue started to bubble up. Philip says, you're starting to talk in tongues. You're starting, starting to talk in tongues. And it started to bubble up. I could feel like it's bubbling, just coming up right through me in a circle. And it wasn't like there was an act of my will involved then. Because as well, you know, the Holy Spirit's not using you like a ventriloquist and making your jaw go like a here, you know what I mean? There's, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit. And that was me baptizing the Holy Spirit after that point. And then I started to develop this prayer language and started to speak in tongues quite regular after that there. 
Now, you, you might say, well, that's okay, that's fine. You had an experience with God. You had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Right, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm what? What happened after? Well, you know what happened after that? The evidence of it was, you see Joel's prophecy? That actually started to happen in my life. Visions started to happen. You know how daft I was? This is, this is the truth. I actually went up one day and went, went to pray. And I got down on my knees. It was up in the bedroom. I got down on my knees. And a picture appeared. A vision in front of my face. I couldn't pray. I just This picture was like in front of me. And I went. And it annoyed me. And I went downstairs. And then I went back up again to try it again. It appeared again. So I went back down the stairs. And this is how green I was. And like religious things, so to speak. Said the Maggie. Every time I go to pray, there's like a picture in front of my face. What's that all about? And Maggie says, go and ask God. So I went back upstairs again, the picture again. Ask God, and God started to speak these words. And just dropped into my heart, these words. And that was okay. I came back down again. Never thought a big lot about it. I says, well, God says, blah, 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 blah. Never thought a big deal about it. That Sunday in church, a lady had the same vision during the middle of the week, and the pastor, she read it all out, and the pastor read it out. Do you know, virtually, word for word, that was the same vision, the, same, the very same thing that God said to me. And do you know what? I've never forgot that, but that's took 30 years for that to happen, the manifestation of that to happen. Nearly 30 years. <laughs> how does that work? Do you know what? How does, how does that work? You know what? I could tell you, I could tell you time, over and over again these different things. There's one story. Maggie doesn't want me to share it, I don't think. It's just it's very personal about one of the kids, but it was a, a vision as well. God gave me prophetic dreams, and then also I started to see. Now, listen, I, I, I want to share this here, and I'm sharing this to encourage you. Right? This is not about me, please hear it. That's not me holding up a spiritual CV and saying, this is all what, you know, this is all what I've done or seen or whatever. This is not what I, I want to encourage you because this is for everybody. This is New Testament Christianity. This is for everybody. God's no respecter of persons. That's, everybody can receive this here. And I know there's people in this room who have received it, any amount of them, and they can tell you how they've, they've seen God moving. But Something different ha- ha- happened as well. I remember I told you, like, the fear, of, the fear of man. I still would be a wee bit sort of shy just by nature, like, but the fear of man, like, I remember, like, once God started bringing people across my path to witness, and God opened that door, you couldn't have stopped me. Just, it just came out of me. It just, it, it, that was it, just a boldness, just to speak for God. I mean, I remember saying one time, I remember saying one time, Lord, do you know what, Lord? I would love the joy. I'd love the honor of leading somebody to you. And I brought people to church, you know, and they got saved during the meeting. But I wanted, I wanted to, to experience what it was like to lead somebody to the Lord. I just said that once, one afternoon. I said, Lord, would you give me the honor of doing that? Two hours later, I went up to get my car from the mechanic. And we got in the car. He was just doing a simple service. And he says, oh, we'll have to take it for a test drive. And I went, why are we taking it for a test drive? He's changed the oil and the, and the filter and whatever. And he took me, it was wintertime. He lived in the countryside. We went all around the country roads. It was quite dark. Pulled in the driveway of his house. And he turned, and he was driving the car. 
He turned around and he looked at me. He says, Stephen, I need to get saved. <laughs> I went, what? Inside myself, and I went in a full panic mode then. And I went, oh, right, right, when? No, he says, no. So I made up this prayer, this sinner's prayer that lasted about half an hour, I'm sure. He, he, probably, he, probably, he probably regretted becoming a Christian. He, uh, it was about half an hour, and I, I thought I was covering everything, all the bases. And he jumped out of the car and says, thank you. And I drove down the road, and I went, I started laughing. I says, God, you're mad. I don't mean that irreverent. He says, God, you're crazy. I just asked you that two hours ago. And a guy jumps in the car and gives his life to you. That's crazy. I remember another time saying, Lord, I used to do this regular, and God never once ever failed. I said, Lord, give me somebody to witness to, to you today. Let me speak to somebody uh, and share, just share your love with them. So later on that day, I picked my nephew up and his mate. And... Uh, his mate jumped in the back of the car and David jumped in the front. And his mate turned around and he says to me, Stephen, I hear you're a Christian. And I says, oh, here we go, wisecrack, you know, I was waiting on it. Like. And I says, aye. And he says, uh, how do you become a Christian? And I thought, oh, right, right, wind up here. Here's me, just give your life to the Lord. I says, ask Jesus in your life and ask for forgiveness of your sins. That's it. And he looked at me about 30 seconds later and he says, I've done that. I said, What? He says, I've done that. What do you do now? I says, go to... I haven't been serious. I said, he says, right, when do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Told him. He says, when do you go? That Sunday he turned up. Do you know what? He's on fire for the Lord. 20 years later, that guy is on fire for the Lord. He is just flat out for God. He's, he spoke on TV in America. Everything does all work with homeless. Everything. That's the way our God works. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. We don't have to strive we don't have to work at it. We, you know, I'll tell you one other thing. I'm hoping that boring you. <laughs> right? The other thing was God put, my, put on my heart was to go in the botanic gardens. We used to go in the, we used to go in the summertime when we were younger. We would have went in the botanic gardens on a good day. And it was crazy. It was absolute mayhem. You know, people had been drinking. There was music. There was drugs. It was just, it was just a, a whole menagerie of people just went crazy in that botanic garden. And on, the, on a, you know, a lovely summer's day. So God put this in my heart. I want to go back in there and I want to witness the people for the Lord. So that was okay. I remember being down Botanic one night and I felt the Holy Spirit say, go and pray on every gatepost around Botanic Gardens. Now, that sounded a bit wacky, doesn't it? Like, but I'd done it anyhow. I was on the bike and I drove, made sure nobody was watching me and then prayed. Lord, just post your, send your angels, Lord. Just let your angels be here at these. Let this be consecrated ground. And just uh, prayed over the gate and just said, let your angels stand watch over this place. So it was okay. Went back to our wee home group, shared with a guy who, pardon me, I'm just a wee drink. Shared with a guy who led our home group, Jim. Very evangelistic. Told me, he says, right, well, let's do it. He couldn't wait, you see. He was all for it. Like, he says, right, okay, let's do it. So he says, right. So we found out you can't go into botanic gardens and do any preaching or anything. They got their, their opposite city councils dead against it. But they give these permits out, they did. And they would give something like, I thought, I think it was about 15 or 20 out a year. And they said we could take like a worship band. We could do like a worship thing down on it. So the whole church got behind it. Jim went and seen the session. The whole church got behind it. And was, we were given this date in May time. Now, we were allocated a date, 
We didn't really have a say in it. The chances of getting allocated a date in Northern Ireland in May time on a Saturday and expecting that you're going to have wonderful weather is probably a bit extreme, isn't it? Like the odds are pretty high that it's not going to happen. So anyhow, we've done this in faith. We've got everything all arranged. We're going to have like all like picnics and we had all the tables. We're going to get all set out and all the rest. And sure enough, a week before we were due to go in the Botanic Gardens, we went down with prayer, walked it a few times. Um, we prayed just against all the stuff that was going on, all the, the mad stuff with the alcohol and all and the, the drugs and all. We prayed against all that. And a week before we were due to go in on the Thursday afternoon, what happened? They got a bit of a good day and the whole crowd went down in the Botanic Gardens. And the police ended up having to come in and baton charge them out. The police, the red police, had to go in the Botanic Gardens and they had to force the crowd out of the park one Thursday afternoon. Now, this was just a week before we were due to go in. So Belfast Council had an emergency meeting and the next minute they banned all alcohol from Botanic Gardens and they put this big huge poster up between the trees. So that was okay. We were going in the next Saturday. Next Saturday it was absolutely beautiful day, absolutely gorgeous day. You couldn't, you couldn't have read it. Like. And we went into the park and we had the full worship team and we were a very colourful church then. You know, it was very much um, a lot of different cultures and all. And really, uh, we were a real worshipping church. We were, so we're all in botanic gardens and Jesus flags and you name it. And it just it was fantastic. And people, families were picnics and all the rest. And uh, there was Muslim families came and sat right beside the bandstand. And they were invited along and they sat down and they had food and drink and all the rest with us and all, several different Muslim families were there and people prayed for them and people were praying for the sick in the park and all the rest and we never got one negative response in the park that day and I'll tell you there was the most beautiful peace over Botanic Gardens that day, the most beautiful peace and here's, here's the funny bit like you're going to laugh at this here, do you know what Belfast City Council actually done after the baton charge the middle of the park they actually employed outside security to come, see in every gatepost when we went in the Saturday end of the park, there was two bouncers. There was two security staff on each, each one of the gateposts coming. And Maggie walked up and says, these are angels, you know. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I can't tell you what happened. And, I, you know, was there any decisions made for Christ? I haven't a clue. Because you couldn't quantify it that way. But you know what it felt like? It felt like we took ground from the enemy. There was peace. There was peace. And there was all those people from all those different backgrounds. And they said, well, I remember one wee young, uh, wee group of students said, if you are Christians, you aren't too bad. Like, you know, that's what they actually said. That's, that's an unusual response to that. So, you know, I could tell you story after story after story about what's happened. That's New Testament Christianity. That's for all of us. That's not just for me. I'm Mr. Flippin' Linear Thinker. You know what I mean? I don't really think in all this creative stuff, really. Not a lot of it. But God speaks to me in visions and pictures. And it's not, you know, it can only be God. You see, the conclusion, you know, this is what I wanted to say earlier, too, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. See, because I had that experience, it doesn't mean to say you have to have that experience. Because, see, Maggie, Maggie spoke in tongues when she was at an Alpha course, and they just prayed for people. I know other people who, during worship services, they've just started the, the, just during the worship, they started to speak in the tongues. I know people who have 
actually I think it was Carol told me it after a couple of months after she was saved, she said she was laying in her bed one night and she started speaking tongues. I know people have had hands laid on them. And uh, I know Gary turned around and he says he, just, he searched earnestly in his heart and searched the scriptures and he spoke in tongues through faith. No feelings, no experience, great experience, just an act of faith that he activated that gift within him. So there's, we can't put God in a box. You know, once you start putting God in the box, I, I think, you know, that's the worst thing that you can do. God can just move in whatever way he wants, but it's there for all of us. Amen. Yeah. Um, so, look, who doesn't want to go deeper in the Lord? You know, I think, believe that once you start activating that gift in you, you, start, you go deeper in the Lord, you go deeper in worship, something changes in your life. You know, it was like at the, at the disciples... They were being led by an external Jesus, and then they started to get led by the internal Jesus. You know, who doesn't want to go deeper? I want, I believe that you can have as much of God as you want. I want as much of God as I can get, to be quite honest. Absolutely. As one of my favorite preachers would say, Bible teachers would say, this is brilliant, never stop asking or receiving from our Father until we are doing the things Jesus done or greater. Think about it. Never stop asking or receiving from our Father until we are doing the things Jesus done or greater. Jesus says you'll do greater things now. Wow. Why, 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 why set the bar low? Why not set it high? Yeah. Keep believing for the greater things. Isn't that right? Yeah. You see, this kingdom is continually expanding and growing. You know, Isaiah 9 and 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It's still growing. We're part of it today. Just what happened in the early church. When that ripple went into the pond and it rippled out, it's still, that's still moving out today. We're part of that. You know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, celebrated in Pentecost, as Christians celebrate, 3,000 souls were added to the church. Those fields keep yielding a harvest even today. You know, a field just doesn't yield one harvest and then give up. That's still that harvest is there. Jesus said in Luke 10 too, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, we don't, the whole point is we don't have to strive and try and make things happen or manipulate situations or people or manufacture good ideas. Just let that still small voice inside of you and he'll direct you to people. He'll bring people across your path. There's a legs of Robert goes out there all the time. He's praying for people in the street all the time. God's just constantly bringing people across his, his path. But he's going out there in faith. It's about us actually just tapping in. It's about daily surrender. You know, some days, some days you just get so caught up in your own life. It's almost like God's pushed to the background. He's still there. But you see, if we tap in that flow... God will bring people across your path in ways that you never imagined. You know, he's not retiring us. God's not retiring us. He's refiring us. Amen. He's refiring us. He's not retiring us. There's no discrimination in the kingdom of God. Stop disqualifying yourself. See them. See when you see those obstacles or detours that neutralize you. See them as new opportunities for God to move. Listen, um, this is what God's word says about us. God's word says, 
We are co-crucified with Christ. We are co-buried with Christ. We are co-risen with Christ. We are co-seated with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. We co-labor with Christ. We are co-workers with Christ. All so we can fulfill the great commission with Christ. You see, grace not only gives us favor and abundant life, grace gives us the ability or dunamis for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we can walk in them. As long as love's our motivation, anything else. So with that, I just want to finish. I want to give anybody here an opportunity if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to see that gift activated in your life, please come to the front. We'll pray for you. If you want an infilling of the Holy Spirit, we see it throughout the book of Acts. Acts 4 said they were filled again and filled with boldness. Come to the front and we'll pray for you. If there's something that you want prayer for, come to the front and we'll pray for you. Want to make that Open that invitation up. If God's doing something, stirring something in your heart, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you now, and you can feel something in your spirit, and you know that God's saying, please come to the front, and we'll pray for you. Um, I just want to pray, and then Adam's going to come up, and we're going to, the meeting's going to close down. Thank you, Father. We're placed exactly where you want us to be. Thank you for the authority of your word that teaches us who we are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we are loved, secure, firmly established in you, like trees planted by the water. Thank you as we daily surrender to you, we can see your hand on us, clearly leading us, revealing your beautiful nature and character, taking us from grace to grace and glory to glory. Amen.